Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Minor League Podcast. I am Steve Seiper, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Lavin and Thomas Henderson. How's everyone doing? Um, besides my allergies absolutely destroying me today, I'm doing pretty good. Mm. Rest in peace, Thomas. Yeah, it's been rough out here. Even took like I took allergy medicine and everything, and it's just like too bad. It's one of those days. This week has been bad for allergies. Yeah, it really has been. Even with the rain? I thought usually when it rained, not that I have allergies. My understanding was that when it rained, people usually felt better, but what the hell do I know? Uh, I don't have allergies, and, like, it's been bothering me, like, the the beginning of the week, so. The last two days when it did rain wasn't bad, but today was, like, really rough. Yeah. Mm. Well, today is Mother's Day as we're recording, so obviously happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there listening. Uh, to quote and- uh, Wilfredo Tovar, yes. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. My brain is, had just, like, wiped that memory completely. Yeah, I, I don't I don't recall this. How is Wilfredo Tovar relevant here? Oh, I think I've told that story on the podcast, that he um, cut uh, a print promo with my friend Joey. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, he he didn't really speak any English, and so he basically got up there and said, Happy Mother's Day. And Joey was like, okay, okay, you can do it. You can do it. (laughs) To all of the mothers. (laughs) 
Be happy. <laughs> yes, all the mothers out there, be happy. <clears throat> all right, so promote, extend trade. On this date, back in 1662, the first recorded performance of Punch and Judy took place. And it famously, Punch and Judy, became a baseball term when Walt Alston, the Dodgers manager in the 50s and 60s, said of Willie McCovey that, quote, he hits it with such authority that it may seem like an act of God. You can't cry about it. He's not a Punch and Judy belter. And the term, obviously, you know, it's it's a, a low-power hitter. And it's usually kind of a... A dismissive term. Mm-hmm. One could but, call Luis Guillorme a punching Judy. Yes, but Tony Gwynn, he he took it and made it his own, and he said that he was, you know, he defined himself as a punching Judy hitter, and obviously, you know, he did pretty good for himself. So we are going to promote, extend, or trade some punching Judy hitters, and I tried to kind of group everybody in the same general era. Because, you know, there's very different guys playing <laughs> from the dead ball era and, let's say, the steroid era. Which so dead first, ball era? The old one or 2020 <laughs> present uh, day? Yeah, that's true. We are having a, a neo uh, dead ball era here. <sighs> All right. So first is the aforementioned Tony Gwen. He um, is a 338, 388, 459 hitter over 20 years. He hit a total of 135 home runs and averaged 9 per 162 games. Next is a contemporary of his, Wade Boggs, who is a 328, 415, 443 hitter. Over 18 years, he hit 118 homers and he averaged 8 per 162 games. And last and certainly not least is the only Hall of Famer who is not in this group, but he will be. Ichiro, who hit 311, 355, 402 over 19 years with the Mariners and everyone else. This is only including his American numbers, of course. And he hit a total of 117 homers and averaged 7 per 162. Is it blasphemous if I trade Tony Gwynn? I think you need some explanation. I think Boggs is clearly better. I think Boggs is clearly the best of the three. And taking the totality of his numbers, I think Ichiro is better than Tony Gwynn. If we had any Padre fan listeners, I'm sure they'd be very angry right about now. (laughs) Um, I hope we don't then, because I don't want to make no one angry. We have enough enemies as it is. uh Uh-huh. We do have many beefs, arguably too many. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I don't know, man. I think each, Ichiro... It's just a fun fact, factor with Ichiro. You know? I yeah, think, that's... I don't think it's even just a fun factor. I think he did it like in the 20 years after Tony Gwynn and Wade Boggs when the competition was better. And also coming off of... He has like a longer resume because yeah. of his time in Japan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is Ichiro is one of the most unique players to ever play, I feel like. Yep. Also, like, he definitely had more power than those two, I would say, in terms of, like, 
when he tapped into it, he could really drive a ball. I mean, every year in the spring, they'd say, yeah, Yeah. like every year in the spring, someone would say, Ichiro could totally hit 30 home runs if he wanted to. Like, there's the home run he hit off of Mariano Rivera, where he, like, really smokes that ball, you know? like yeah. Like, and there's, like, not a lot of, like, Gwyn and Boggs did stuff like that, but I feel like way less frequently than Ichiro. Ichiro is almost like the next step of it because he did play with a little more. He did hit for a little more power. And then also just looking at other factors, I mean, Ichiro, I think, is the best defensive player out of all these guys. Maybe has the most speed out of all these guys, you know, like the most secondary skills. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Wade Boggs got, you know, a 415 career OBP is pretty crazy, you know. Yeah, playing in Minute Maid will help with that. Well, yeah, yeah. As opposed to the various caverns that Ichiro played in. I I think, I mean, I'm not saying, Tony Gwynn is unquestionably a Hall of Famer. Um, he, but at the same time, I think he's also one of the more overrated Hall of Famers, if that makes sense. Like, definitely belongs there, but people talk about him like he's some inner circle great, and I don't think he's anywhere close to that. He was that an is, outlier in his time. Like, yeah, no, I mean, look, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying he doesn't belong. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you in terms yeah, of... Yeah, I mean... Uh, when I was compiled, when I was looking at the numbers, I said to myself, "I was like, wow, Tony Gwynn only <laughs> he only hit three thirty three in his uh, three thirty eight in his career." But just like you're saying, the way that he gets talked about, you would it, it would make it seem like he was better than he was. Not that he was bad, of course. Again, I think right. we've also how how we value um, offense has changed. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's part of it. Like, um, you know, all of the major offensive statistics value power significantly higher um, than average, you know, and and Tony Gwynn was an average hitter. An average hitter who that, uh, unlike, like, like Wade Boggs was an average hitter who also walked 15% of the time in his career. I'm pulling that number off the top of my head. An unheard of amount of, you know. Gwynn didn't walk. So look, look, preternatural, pretty natural. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Bat to ball ability, maybe one of the best contact hitters ever. Absolutely, but in terms of actually productive offense, not as much as you'd think, given the way he's talked about. Mm. And still, it's still a one thirty weighted. Yeah. Like it's still really good. Clear, it, clearly, yeah. a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes. Um, just of those three, who would you say the highest walk rate? percentage-wise, between those three players, if you could guess, because I'm looking at it right now. Boggs, 100%. I would guess Boggs, but I'm assuming that... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> it's Ichiro. He just walked 16% of the time, and Boggs walked really? 13% of the time. First career? Yeah. That's huh. insane. I did not know that. Wait, really? How, how is that Yeah, possible? I'm looking at it right now. Ichiro oh, no. is at... It, what? Okay, so the thing got messed up. He only walked... It, it was He walked 16% of the time in his last season. So the way, oh, it, was, the way okay. it was listed was weird on my on the on the thing, and then it, and then it, and then it fixed itself. Well, so what's it's what's the actual answer? It's six, so he barely walked. Yeah, that, that, it's that, Boggs that. by like because Boggs had um thirteen percent for his career. Did he ever do any, uh, Did he have any seasons above twenty? Who Boggs? Yeah. No. Okay. He got to seventeen in Boston once. Okay, that's still pretty insane. Mm-hmm. That year, he also struck out 4% of the time. 
Yes, yes, yes. My strength ratio. ratio is one to four. <laughs> he hit. He hit three sixty six, four seventy six, four ninety that year. Oh my god! Is yeah. that that good? He that debuted at twenty four. He was older. That's pretty crazy. So I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm agreed now. I've been convinced that Tony Gwynn is getting traded, but I don't know between Boggs and each girl. It's I mean, hard. That's an, insane, that's an insane stat. I also feel like if we're talking about just their, their, Amer- like, their American stats because Boggs doesn't have any other ones, like Boggs probably gets the edge, but Ichiro did it twi- in two different leagues and mm-hmm. transitioned from one league to another and, like, did it again, and he was a little older at the time. Like, he was, when he won Rookie of the Year, what was he, like, 30? 27. Yeah. So, like, his, most of his career was in his 30s. And, like, Boggs, too, because he came up at 24. But, like, Ichiro yeah. was, like, 35, How does that compare to Ichiro's added Jap- Japanese and uh, MLB time? How does that compare to, uh, like, games played at-bats to, to Boggs' career? Oh, I got that. Uh, probably double. I mean, Ichiro had a 19-year MLB career, so... You're adding probably another nine. Yeah, he started playing Japanese in the MPL, basically. Uh, excuse me, MPB, basically right out of uh, high school. So yes, adding like ten years almost of games. Mm-hmm. So it's like a thirty-year career almost. Let's look it up. Yeah, I'm doing that right now too. Yeah. You know, I'm extending Ichiro just because he's Ichiro. So the, he has, the fun fact, he has some style and and swag that just Wade Boggs don't have. Yeah, Ichiro was... A, I mean, and also just, like, it, it, when it comes to things like these that might be a push, you take the more modern player because yeah, yeah, also, the yeah, competition yeah. level always rises. Ichiro played in total 3,604 games. That's a lot of baseball. <laughs> and Wade Boggs, if I'm not clicking on ads and clicking on Fangress, uh-huh. played in 2,440. That's a lot of baseball, man. <laughs> I mean, he played till he was four. Like he was a regular, and when he was forty-three. I mean, Boggs was forty, but yeah, it's nuts. That's crazy. They're just outliers, like all three of them. Yeah. In different ways, because that hit to that contact tool in a sport like baseball is nuts. Mm-hmm. Like if if you're asking me who um, the best hitter is, that's up for grabs. But I just feel like Ichiro perfectly embodies the the punching Judy type. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with more speed and because Boggs it's wasn't really fast at all and eighty eighty grade bat control, right? Yeah, the slap hits, the trick well, hits. One of like my formative baseball the memories. The slugging percentage. Well, one of my formative baseball memories is seeing a highlight reel of Ichiro just hitting routine ground balls to short and turning them into singles. It's not even like, oh, that's a soft hit, going to be a tough play. No, that's a routine ground ball to the shortstop, and he's ten foot past the first base guy. <laughs> What? Yeah, he was good. <laughs> yeah, he was just completely different, especially during, like, that was when he played in the 2000s. Like, we're getting into, like, as Ken was saying, really caring about that shit. Like, Wade Boggs did a lot of his stuff in the 80s and 90s when it was, that was fine. Like, that's what you wanted out of players. But we started to move away from that type of player in Ishiro, and for him to be one of the best players in the league when the league is zagging away from that is pretty cool. Yep, very true, too. That's like if Nick Madrigal now was one of the best players in the league. That'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, that's so weird. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, those guys just left barely. I mean, the closest, you know, who the closest like parallel is 
Jeff like Jeff McNeil, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even he is like going to be a twenty homer guy because he's just going to run into a bunch of them and pull. Actually, them. it might be it might be Stephen Kwan now, but maybe sure, yeah, because he doesn't hit for power at all. He yanked that one out a couple days ago. Anyway, we, we're losing the thread here again. Yeah, yeah well, we're, yeah, uh, another part of the show, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, Ichiro, we we love Ichiro. That's Friend of the podcast. It all comes down to yep. <laughs> All right, our way too early draft updates. Uh, Chase DeLauder still has a broken foot, and Landon Sims still has a broken UCL. So, broken. <laughs> so nobody has played. Uh, Ken, Cam Collier, his season is over. But uh, Jason, you actually he actually played in two of their their final games. Oh, um, that's true. They have playoffs and such. Okay. Yeah. So he uh, he went four for fourteen with a homer. Um, that was his only extra base hit. Five walks and one strikeout in two games. Uh, he ended the season hitting... Oh, no, I'm reading the wrong guy again. God damn it. He went four for seven with a homer, two extra... None of us could read today. Uh, no walks, one strikeout, and ended the season hitting 343, 432, 550. Uh, that's a 982 OPS with eight homers, 19 extra base hits, 25 walks, 31 Ks, and almost 170 at-bats, so... Very, very good. Almost a thousand OPSs, you know, like we say every week. Uh, a literal child. And Ken, can you just correct me if I'm He's like high school age playing Juco, basically? Yeah, so it would be yeah. like if we drafted, if when we drafted Mark Vientos, he had been playing at Juco. Mm-hmm. Of, um, you know, the Miami South Dade high school, high school circuit. So I was sitting there like, wait, these aren't impressive high school. I had forgotten that he was in JUCO. If those were high school stats, that'd kind of be whatever. But for as young as he is in JUCO, that's a little nutty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he really ended the season strong. And um, I think he'd make a lot of sense for the Mets at either pick, especially since they could probably save some money on him, if they, especially if they draft him higher, mm-hmm. um, given that he clearly wants to go pro. Um, should I just go into Jung then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, so Jung played three games uh, at Baylor and one game against Abilene Christian. He went four for fourteen, uh, hit a homer, walked five times, struck out once, and is now hitting three sixty four, five thirteen, six eighty two. That's a, an eleven ninety five OPS. Jesus fucking with, Christ. 12 homers, 30 extra base hits, and 52 walks against 27 strikeouts in, like, 175 at-bats. How the hell is this guy falling in mock drafts? I don't understand. I I think a lot of – I mean, so I I get it kind of because he doesn't really bring anything else to the – if he doesn't hit, he's kind of, you know. He has a bad defensive second baseman. That that being said, I think he's going to (laughs) hit and hit a lot. (laughs) Good Lord, man. It's like he gets pitched around a lot and his numbers are still excellent. You know, he's like, everything is good. Uh, He's like the most, I I don't hesitate to say, I think he's, you know, the best college position player in the draft this year. Which, um, you know, my my longstanding opinion on, on draft, you know, stuff is that if the best college player in the draft is available, you take him. I think there's an argument for Brooks Lee, but otherwise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's an argument. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely, I think, the best like hitter. 
Definitely can make the case, and it's a strong case. I'm just trying to see where he fell on the latest BA mock draft real quick. Oh, okay, so he's still one at five, so I'm... I think he's definitely a top five pick. I think there's an argument be. he might be like two or three. Uh, God, if he goes to the Nats, I'm going to be depressed. Yeah, that'll be a bummer. All right. <clears throat> Lucas, how are your guys doing? Brock Border and Dylan Beavers. So my updates are much more pedestrian. Dylan Beavers doing the Dylan Beavers thing, hitting 298, 10 10 OPS. Went 5 for 14 this week with a homer, five strikeouts, three walks. It's the same story every week here, right? He hits around 300. He walks just about as much as he strikes out, which is maybe a little bit too much. He hits a couple dingers. Nice, polished. Uh, early second round college outfield prospect. Um, nowhere near the amount of juice that, like, I don't know, DeLauder or Young or any of these guys are going to have. But it's it's interesting. You draft him, and if he turns into, like, a power-hitting fourth outfielder, that's a good outcome. Um, and maybe there's more in there, too. Um, Brock Porter is... More intriguing, but the stats are just so meaningless at this point. Honestly, he had another start, six innings, 15 strikeouts, two walks, no hits. On the season, he's thrown 28 innings with 62, yes, 62 strikeouts, 10 walks, and two hits in 28 innings. And he's only given up two earned runs. <laughs> two hits. What, what, what can we glean from this? Nothing, because when you're when you're dominating by this margin, it's it's just like uh, it's like okay, man, just just get out of here, please. We're we're not learning anything new uh, from this. So uh, yeah, I've got like nothing new to say on either front. Yeah. Brock Porter really really good. Dylan Beaver's good. Uh, stay healthy for a couple more weeks and get paid. Yeah, I mean with um, Dylan Lesko's. Injury, you know, Porter's stock has gone up, and you know, Berea, who we'll talk about in a second, you know, these these other high school pitchers. I mean, there's a real there's a real chance that Porter could be the first Porter or Barrier, honestly, could be the first pitchers off the board because the college pitching class is awful, and Lesko's hurt, so mm-hmm. real non-zero chance. Yep. All right, so Thomas, how how did Berea do? And of course. Of course, is also your outfielder, Gavin Cross from Texas Tech. I mean, Virginia um, Tech, excuse me. Berea didn't um, pitch, but because I think I think I know why. So I'm going to theorize here. He didn't pitch, but they were in the in their division, like their division playoff finals now. Like, mm-hmm. not their playoff. Well, they did win their final. But they won the first game 11-1, to and then they won their fi- final 10-4. So I think they're saving him for, like, regionals and stuff, which starts mm-hmm. on the 10th. Like, I, they 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 literally lost one game all year, so I think they could just start like you could kind of save your really big guns for the other games, you know. Like yeah, you don't really yeah. have to you don't really have to waste um, Berea on your divisional playoffs because you're going to win by ten runs anyway, which they did. So I would not be surprised if he pitches in like the more important playoff games. They're trying to give him a little bit of a break. That's what my guess is because they were pretty they were pretty. Um, they were pretty uh, smart with him down the stretch where he didn't pitch as much as they needed to because, again, they were 24-1 and one on the season, so they weren't really fighting for playoff spots or anything. They knew what, what where they were at. Wasn't so, their only loss that one game he started against IMG in, like, February? 
Yeah, their only game that they lost, well, they lost the tournament game. Oh, right. They lost the tournament game, which those are always weird. Um, but yeah, um, he is good. He's been had a, he's had a good season. He has like a two ERA. Um, he just doesn't really need to pitch in these games because he's going to pitch in the bigger ones. So we'll see him soon. And Gavin Cross is continuing his very good season. Um, he's still, he's still OPSing over a thousand. Uh, he's hitting three forty one, four thirty six fifty three. He almost has his career high in home runs in thirty nine games as opposed to fifty one. He has ten already. When when he hit eleven, he had fifty one. So yeah, he's just really good. Um, he has thirty RBI in thirty games. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a true measure of skill. Like obviously RBI is what it is, and it, it requires people to get on base in front of you. But like he's the heart of their lineup. He's their best player, and. That's they're gonna pretty much go where he goes. I think if they're gonna play, like they're good. Don't get me wrong, but mm. he's very clearly their best player. Um, but yeah, that's really it. Uh, Cross is just a he's kind of boring because he plays center field and he hits and he's a college level bat and he's good. So he's gonna get drafted pretty early. <laughs> All he does is play good center field and hits. How boring! Yeah, it's 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 boring in the sense of like there's no real hits almost. He had the one week where he dipped below two, uh, 300, and then he immediately got back to, like, the 320s and 330s and is back up to 340. So he struggled for a little bit. He overcame it, and he's good. Well, we like to see people overcoming their adversity. Good job, Gavin Cross. <laughs> here, here's a philosophical question here. Do you take Cross or DeLauder? Ah. Uh... Ooh, that's tough. Um, the, tan- the tantalizing upside of the, the you, do you take the boat or the mystery box, which might be a bigger boat? I probably knowing the Mets and how they've developed people over the years, I probably just take the boat because giving the Mets a project seems like something that they would mess up or trade away. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like someone like Gavin Cross, they have such little outfield depth in the upper minors. Like I hate to do a need pick, but. He could he could do a Conforto type thing and be up pretty soon and be contributing pretty soon. And it's not like it would be a bad pick at eleven or fourteen, you know. Like it would mm-hmm. be a fine one. And you're not reaching for need, but also you might see him in two years, <laughs> you know. And then like Conforto was a big reason why they made the they made a run. Like he wasn't an everyday player; he was getting platoons, but that's fine. You're telling me yeah. it wasn't Michael Kadire? <laughs> I'm telling you specifically, yes, it was not Michael Kadire. Damn. Damn. Until the Mets like prove otherwise, I'm always taking the more polished position player for them. Yeah, uh, because you don't <laughs> have to do anything. That's really. why I liked Michael Conford or the draft pick so much, is because I, I thought there's no way they could fuck this up. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they didn't. Like he was yeah, good. No, for... And and that might change. That way of thinking may change in the near future. Uh, I don't know. We're just not there yet for them to do that. But, yeah, until I see it, I, I don't believe it. <laughs> so. I think I generally agree. I mean, I also think, like, across the league, there's even the smart teams have a more demonstrated ability to develop pitchers as opposed to hitters. So I don't even know that this part of the philosophy should change, right? If you if the plan is, okay, we're going to take – we're going to use our resources to get polished hitters and then we're going to rely on our pipeline for – Pitching and pitching depth, I, I think that makes sense. So I'd be all on board with a cross pick, though I think he's going off the board even before the bets in oh, I, drafts I at this point. So I would not so. be surprised if he's in the top ten just because, like, he, 
he feels like someone you take late in the top ten because you know he's going to be fine. And you don't, mm-hmm. again, like what we're saying, he's not going to go top five because he, there's other people that are going to do that. But when he goes eight and he's a good major league player, it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yep. No surprise. Well, <clears throat> luckily, the Mets are good. And they don't need uh, major league players. But the upper minors, eh, not so much. And we will talk about that right now. Oh, is that my cue there, Steve? <laughs> no, no, no. Just just prepping myself here because uh, Syracuse is bad. Oh, yeah. They, they played the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs this week. They went two for four against them. So they are 10 and 19 on the year, and that's tied with the scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders for dead last in the division. Can you guys... The, uh... The Mets-Yankees rivalry series, some juice. (laughs) (laughs) Mets and Yankees, first place. Syracuse Riders. Yeah, the the, the inverse here. Can you guys think of a little single positive to take away from anything that Syracuse did this week? Because, uh, I don't know, I don't think so. Nick Plummer hit an impressive left-on-left home run. Everyone's alive. That's true. Mark Vientos, he came back from disappearing, so he is alive. That's good. He can I think he had a good game today or yesterday or something. Vientos. Yeah, today he hit a homer. Uh, Khalil Lee is altering, what, attempting to solve global warming himself by generating new wind patterns. <laughs> um, true. <laughs> so that could be a positive. If only we yeah. could harness that into energy. <laughs> oh, you have unlimited power. I, I will say I do actually. I've actually quite the the glimpses I've got at Plummer have been encouraging, so I think he might actually be good. But yeah, I got nothing beyond that. Yeah, like David Peterson he pitched a good game today, but he's a David major Peterson. leaguer. Yeah, like yeah, I, he's I, a major leaguer. So yeah, I think whatever that last start was where he got lit up, like he gave up like six runs or whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, why am I here and pitching in this game and just didn't really care, which he shouldn't do. I want to say, but. <laughs> yeah, no, don't. You're not that much of a major leaguer yet. But also, like, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case just because, like, I I get it if I were him. I would not want to be in Syracuse on this terrible AAA team either when the Mets are in first place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Steven no- uh, Nagosik has been good, and now he's a Met again. Mm-hmm. But Syracuse is definitely not the uh, definitely not the place to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Another place that is not the place to be, and, uh, you know, 
I feel bad for anyone that is, is Binghamton. And the Rumble Ponies went 2-4 and four against the Hartford Yard Goats this week. That leaves them at 8-18 eight and 18 on the year, which is dead last in the Eastern League <sighs> Northeast. And unfortunately, all of the big three, Alvarez, Beatty, and Mauricio, have slowed down. Alvarez, he went 3-for-21 this week, all singles, with three walks and four strikeouts. And he is now hitting 215, 315, 443. Brett Beatty went 5 for 23, again, all singles, with four walks and six strikeouts. And he is now hitting on the season 264, 350, 385. And Ron Mauricio went 4 for 25. He actually had an extra base hit. He hit a double. And he drew one walk while striking out six times. And now he's hitting 255, 293, 447 on the season. Hartford is 8 and 12 in the league in ERA and 9 out of 12 in strikeouts. So it's not even like their team where they yeah, have no good, good pitching. I mean, they're, they're, the Rockies, they're the Rockies double A team. So come on, you know, Rockies and pitching don't I mean, go together, you know? I, I will say that um, the weather in, in New England <laughs> has uh, been true. just dog shit. <laughs> So yeah, that doesn't uh, help for sure. Like like I was watching some of the the game from today, games from today and yesterday for Binghamton, and like they're all bundled up. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, cool. What's the 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 famous Yoenis Cespedes line? The, this is not this is not baseball weather. This is sleeping weather. <laughs> well, the bats. I'll, are I'll give them a yeah. I'll give them a mulligan. <laughs> yeah, and also it's gonna happen. Like this is Alvarez's first real go there, and. Beatty's still a growing hitter, and Mauricio still has his issues. Like, they're going to struggle. They're probably going to struggle again this year. Like, Alvarez is 19 or 20, 20 now. But, you know, Beatty is the only one really with a chance to get called up this year at all, and that is if he takes major strides. At least a little worried about Beatty's strikeouts kind of exploding out of every any, out of nowhere. But, yeah, it's a two-week sample. So Yeah, that's going to happen. I mean, we've seen real... Real good major leaguers do that, you know. That's he's baseball. He's gonna strike out a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. He's gonna strike out. Um, he walks, and you know, to to keep up with the strikeouts, and he did walk this week. You know, four walks in the week, not bad. So yeah, not uh, great, but don't worry because we have the Brooklyn Cyclones to make everything look better. Oh, wait. Ron Howard voiceover. (laughs) They play the Brooklyn must win. Brooklyn did not win. (laughs) Brooklyn must win at some point. It's statistically, (laughs) they have to. It's just, they're gonna. They played the Iberdeen Ironbirds, and they went 1-4 against them. So that drops them under 500 now. They are 12-13 and on the year. And since Aberdeen was in first place in the South Atlantic League North, Brooklyn is now seven and a half games back in the standings. And, you know, just like Syracuse, just like Binghamton, it was a lousy week for Brooklyn for pretty much everybody. Uh, you know, over the course of the week, a couple of guys had a handful of hits, a couple of pitchers threw a few solid innings, but really not a single player did anything of note or really put together, you know, a, a long enough body of work to make you say, like, hmm, this guy had a good week. Yeah. Which is, uh, I mean, you know, it's not like there's a lot of prospecty players on Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, I should say. But, you know, 
want to see guys do good, and really just nobody has done anything. I want yeah, even to make a sarcastic comment about you're not juiced up for X player, and I can't even name someone entertaining on this roster. <laughs> it's Let's pretty see. bad. Yeah, it's just kind of like a low ceiling roster right now. I think it'll get better after the draft, but that's far away from now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like we've said before, the, the biggest prospect player on that team is Jalen Palmer. He's been struggling mightily. And mm. after him, it's like... Uh, Jose Peroza? Yeah, Jose Peroza, Wilmer Reyes. Like, those are... You're really reaching at that point for guys like that. Yeah, that's know. like the back end of the 25 here. You know, J.G. Schwartz or Rowdy Jordan, guys that were drafted last year that don't have particularly high floors or ceilings, you know... Not a great team. No. Not right now. So I will not be making the two and a half hour subway ride both ways to go see Brooklyn. Yeah, there's not nothing soon. to go see yet. Nope. L- listen, nope. listen. I took off two days next week to go to Scranton to see Syracuse. So if I can do that to myself, if I can <laughs> willingly go see Syracuse Nets. Yeah, but you get to drive there, Steve. I had to sit on the A train for like literally two hours to get yeah. there. Yeah, no, I know, I know. It's 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 a rough ride. <sighs> All right, and last but not least, the one thing that we have are the St. Lucie Mets, and they came into the week with a three-game winning streak, and then they took the first four games against the Palm Beach Cardinals before dropping both games over the weekend. So they went four and two on the week, and they are now eighteen and nine. Uh, excuse me, eighteen and nine on the season, which is first place in the Florida State League East, and a comfortable four and a half games ahead of the second place team, the Jupiter Hammerheads. They're good. And, yeah, I'm not going to say the only reason that they did so good this week, but a big reason why they did, and why St. Lucie has been off to such a, a hot start in general, and especially you know, the streak in May, is because Alex Ramirez is on an insane tear. Since May 1st, so that includes one of the games in this series against the Tortugas last week, and then all of this uh, series against Palm Beach, Alex Ramirez is hitting 485, 500, 879. Is that his slugging or OPS? No, that's his slugging. Okay. And on the season, so it's 24 games in total, he is hitting 385, 423, 606. Probably gets called up soon. Yeah. We'll see him in Brooklyn shortly, hopefully. God damn, he's going to have to get on that subway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I... Alvarez was in St. You know, we've mentioned this before. Alvarez started off the season last year in St. Lucie. He was hitting... A little better than Ramirez is hitting right now, but not that much better. And he got sent from St. Lucie to Brooklyn in like 15 games or so. Ramirez is 24. Um, you know, also Alvarez is a catcher. You know, there are other things that get factored in. He's also extremely mature and, and you know, advanced as. Uh, in terms of like those intangible kind of baseball things, whereas I don't know that much about Ramirez to say if he is or not, but I, he also I has a lot more prospect cachet at the time. 
Yeah. Ramirez. Like, that probably shouldn't matter, but also it probably does matter. Like, mm-hmm. like they already – everyone already knew that – who Francisco Alvarez was at the time. Like, he was highly touted at that point. So when yeah, he was carrying up that level, they were like, yep. But Ramirez was way – was more like a, hey, this guy's an interesting name to keep an eye on, but wasn't – certainly not at his level. He was also there last year. Right. Yeah. He was a, a, a very – High thought of IFA, then he got signed by the Mets, and he spent all of the 2021 season in St. Lucie, and he didn't do bad, but he didn't, you know, like... He was like league average, right? Right. He also had that weird vision issue, too, where he just couldn't hit during night games. Yeah. (laughs) He had, like, the reverse Josh Hamilton. Well, it's, you know... Go ahead and say that's probably no longer an issue, given that stat line. It isn't, actually, which is kind of interesting. I don't have the stat in front of me. I mean, if you go to the on my LB splits and stuff, he's actually hitting like 300 in night games now, which is pretty crazy. But at the same time, I'm not really sure how a night game is defined in, you know, uh, in, in the Florida State League and everything like that with a lot of afternoon starts and, and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, uh, he's Yes, he's, he's adjusted a lot. Um, Let's see. I have this is how you buy up draft boards. I mean, uh, prospect lists. Yeah, I mean, the the aforementioned Francisco Alvarez, he worked with Ramirez over the winter to just kind of help his bat on ball skills. And last year in 76 games, again in the same league, so it's it's a better comparison, Ramirez struck out 31.1% of the time. And this year... Only 24 games, but he's striking out at an 18.7% rate. Yeah, it's so. Which one to see? Yeah. Um, Have you checked what his uh, launch has his launch angle improved at all? Because I know I know that was a thing, right? It really yeah. hasn't very much. Mm. Um, looking at just the the surface stats here, last year he had a 22.2 percent line drive rate, a 53.1% ground ball rate, 24.7 fly ball rate, and 27.1 infield fly ball rate. This year, he has a 28.2 line drive rate, a 46.2 ground ball rate, 25.6 fly ball rate, and a 20, even 20, infield fly ball rate. That's a lot of words and a lot of numbers. Basically, though, he's hitting more line drives and fewer ground balls and fewer infield flies, which is which is what you want to see. You know, adjusting to off-speed stuff, that was something he needed to address. He is getting better with that. There's still room for improvement, but he is 19. He is still one of the youngest players in the Florida State League. So it's okay to have room for improvement, you know? I feel like if if there's anything you want to, like, I would rather someone hit the ball really hard like he is and teach him to hit the ball up more to see if it works rather than, like, him just not be able to make, get those exit reloads, you know? Yeah. I agree. It, looking at, I mean, it's kind of it's it's kind of interesting because not having video access to every single game and everything like that, but being able to look at some of these numbers in in such specific detail, it's like a puzzle. Like you're taking the pieces and plugging it together. So looking at all this stuff, he's registering his weakest exit velocities and. More ground balls than anything again, anything else against pitches that are in the you know, mid 80s or lower. So that shows to me that those are basically, you know, off-speed pitches. Mm-hmm. So that's still, you know, he is still 
He's rolling over all that stuff. Yeah, he's he's rolling over. He's making weak contact, or he's you know, uh, he 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 still has room for improvement there. But again, good. You know, you're allowed at 19. You're allowed to. No, it's it's Juan Soto or bust. If you're not in the majors <laughs> with a 400 on base percentage at 19, I, I don't care. Bold words. Um, but you know, other you know. Ramirez is having a great season. Um, other guys on St. Lucie are doing equally well. Our, our friend Shervian Newton, he is, as we've mentioned before, having a, not a career renaissance. That's not a very good way of putting it. He's, but. he's a post-type breakout guy, perhaps. Uh, I, I don't know. There's so many... I don't want. I don't want to let Other. myself believe. I'm not ready to be hurt again. <laughs> How old is this he? Twenty three. Yeah. Still young. Like it's old for the league, but maybe not anymore. Yeah. But it's not like he's twenty six or seven. You know, like right. No, he's is what he's I'm getting. Little, at. He's a little There's on the older there. side, but yeah. Um, Carlos Dominguez. He is slugging the shit out of the ball. He has eight home runs. Um. Our our friend Stanley Consuegra, he's he's having a good season, and the pitching is the pitching is really good. It, it's not as good as I guess we all thought it might be, but it's still good though. It's still good, yeah. Um, you know, all of those. I guess we expected all of those college pitchers to just come out and just utterly dominate, and the ones I guess that we didn't really expect to are, in a way, like Meg Vazel. He has a 286 ERA in 22 innings, five games. Like, that's really good. Um, Carson Seymour of .45 ERA in a handful of starts, you know, 20 innings total, a handful of starts, a couple of piggybacks. Um, the guy that we thought would be the best of those college guys, Dominic Hamill, just based on, you know, draft placements and everything like that. He has a four seventy four ERA and five starts, which is not great. He's he's allowed eighteen hits in nineteen um innings uh, and he's walked fourteen in nineteen innings, so it's like Yeah, he's not, not Yeah, not what we were expecting. But again, I, I've you know looking at the pitching data, I see that all of these guys are using five, six pitches, which is not really what the average you know major league pitcher needs to do to throw. That's very odd. It's, I mean, if anything, baseball's gone the opposite direction, where now you just spam your best stuff as much. And also, all these guys really strike me as more likely relief. I mean, we've talked about this philosophical difference as well, but. I'm surprised they're kind of diddle, diddly daddling with some. Of, is that an, is that a verb? Um, yeah, with some of these with some of these guys, as opposed to you just shoving them in the bullpen and saying, "Yeah, throw your fastball and curveball and just blow people away. Let's get yeah. you up quick." In his last start, Dominic Hamill threw 27 sinkers, 23 four seamers, 18 sliders, 10 curveballs, nine changeups, and one lonely cutter. What so, the fuck? Why the fuck is Dominic Hamill throwing a sinker? Like. This dude's arsenal profiled as a high spin, fastball, curveball relief dude, and they have him throwing fifty-fifty sinkers and four seamers. Like that's 
It's weird, yeah. It's a concerning developmental choice, shall we say. Let me see. Let me look at Mike Vazel. Um, He's throwing a four-seamer, curveball, cutter, sinker, changeup, Carson Seamer. Carson Seymour, Seymour, sinker, cutter, curveball, four-seamer, change-up, slider. So all these guys have big arsenals, and and I think it's just a matter of like, hey, let's see how your sinker plays against professional hitters. Hey, let's see how your cutter is going to work against these guys. Let's see what's better as a professional, your curveball, your slider. I think there's just a lot of experimentation going on right now, which – in in Hamill's case, especially with that inflated ERA and all those walks, all those hits, I think that is 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 what's in play here because he should, you know, not that he sh- he's not a first, you know, he's not a, a one one overall pick, but he should be doing better than he is against the level of competition that he's facing. I'd, I'd find that explanation more reassuring if I had any reason to give the Mets the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> That's very true. Well, these are the new Mets, right? Uh-huh. Same as the old Mets? No. <laughs> we, we're Mets are good now. Mm-hmm. Both on the field product and in the front office. So any other takeaways about anything minor league baseball this week? I mean, we kind of skipped pretty quickly over Brooklyn, Syracuse, but really... It's just nothing know, to talk about. It's with just those nothing, teams, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, bad teams are bad. Syracuse just exists to, like, get some guys who are maybe help the Mets a few times throughout the year at this point. They don't really exist as, like, a place for prospects right now. Mm-hmm. Nope. You pa- you, what is my purpose? You provide relief depth. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> it's easy for Adonis Medina to come up and pitch a few times and then go back down. That's what that's what Syracuse is here for right now. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Alright, so that is our show for the weekend. If anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at ElVlahos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. And Thomas is at SadMetSeasonSZN. And, of course, we encourage everyone to subscribe to our podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it. And we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets.